as you're being seated, if you could um, take out that blue sheet of paper in your family news bulletin. I just want to take a minute and a half, two minutes here for you guys to fill that out very quickly, and we'll pass it across when you're done. Just kind of get our... our um, our information kind of updated. So even if you filled it out before, if you could just very quickly fill it out for me, I'd really appreciate that and just kind of pass it across. And we'll have staff people. Lisa's back there. I'm not sure. Is Kevin out there, Lisa? Kevin's over there. Someone's over there. There he is over there. So if you could just fill that out very quickly. Um, and, and while you're doing that, just a reminder, next Saturday, uh, 8 to 12, we're going to be doing a little bit of a, a work day. We'll do, we'll do maybe uh, a work day every six weeks or so this summer. Um, you know, we do work days, obviously, to get some work done, but also there are great times of fellowship just kind of hanging out and getting to know people. So if you're free um, and you could uh, be a part of that, that would be great. Next Saturday, 8 to 12, I do know there's graduations, and so we're not expecting a huge group of people, but as many as we get, we'll have a great time. Um, that'll be a lot of fun. Also, uh, make sure you mark your calendars for June 16th. We're going on a family canoe trip. Um, another great opportunity, just build relationships. Summer is a great time to just connect and build relationships. So make sure as you're filling that out, you also get a chance to read your news, family news bulletin for all that information um, that's in there. So I'll give you another minute to kind of fill that out. I, I was tap dancing in the first service, but I got booed off the stage, so I just quit doing it. <laughs> I was thinking, Lisa, this is probably a great time to do it on Memorial Day weekend, where it's like everyone's gone. <laughs> Whose idea was this? It was Lisa's idea. No, it's great. It's a great idea. Lisa comes up with great ideas. Most of the time. <laughs> All right, while you're finishing those up, if you could just kind of pass them across, that would be great. And while you're finishing that up, um, if you are a uh, person who was in the military um, before or you're in the military now, um, could you please just stand up so we can acknowledge you? I want to make sure we acknowledge all those people in the military. Amen. There. There's a parade. There's a parade tomorrow at 10 o'clock, um, right at the American Legion over here. It starts down here. There's a parade, and then there's uh, just a memorial service after that. And if you'd like to be a part of that parade, you can come here tomorrow, 10 o'clock. American Legion starts over there. Um, and I just want to acknowledge um, those of you who stood, and I want to acknowledge all the men and women throughout American history who have. You know, I love reading American history. I really do. And I, I, I read it sometimes and I'm just overwhelmed. And I'm so thankful that I have the privilege of living in a country where other people have sacrificed their lives, sacrificed so much, given so much of themselves in service to our country so that I'm able to stand up here and say what I want. And you're able to come here and worship God the way we want. And no one stops us. 
It's great. I mean, what, a, what an incredible privilege, and I don't ever want to forget it. And I just want to encourage you, when you're in the airport or someplace like that, and you see these guys getting off the plane, don't feel embarrassed. You need to walk up to them and shake their hand. Just stop them and say, you know, I just want to thank you for what you've done and what you're doing and the service you, you have to our country. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. That, you know, it, it me, it's meaningful to them. It really is. And, uh, and it's because it's meaningful to me just to have them uh, in the place they are and sacrificing the way they do. So if you stood today, man, just a, a prayer goes out to you. Um, and maybe, you know, why don't we just bow our heads for a moment in a word of prayer for, for, for our service people. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity, the privilege we have to come here and to worship you. We don't have to hide in basements and, and closed, you know, dark rooms uh, trying to see the words in our Bible because we don't want to get caught doing something like worshiping. God, thank you for those people here today who are in the military today serving overseas, even now or in this country. For those in the past who have served, dear God, thank you for their lives. Bless them. Bless their families, Lord God, for they, uh, they mean so much to us. And thank you, Lord God, for just giving us those people and the privilege that we have to even worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, I love Ravi Zacharias, and he has a book called Recapture the Wonder, and he quotes this in the book. It's odd, God. Time's shoeless feet snuck up on me and caught me by surprise. The days of youth I knew so well are gone with the blink of an eye. Innocent play and laughter, tire swings and fun. Those days were too soon ended when I thought they'd only just begun. Backyard friends were many, worries were few, hopes and dreams were, were, were not yet dashed. But life as it is then is through. No longer tree swings, now they're blowouts that complicate schedules and work as I recklessly race down the freeway in search of paychecks and perks. How I long for the years of my childhood when life was uncluttered and free. Perhaps there's a way to reprogram my goals and recapture the me that was me. I love that, especially the end, to recapture the me that was me. I want to stop this morning, and I want to give you a chance to do just that, to recapture the you that was you, the person that you were created to be. Time is the most precious resource that we have. It cannot be replaced it is given to us by God, and, 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 and it doesn't matter if you are rich or you're poor. God, in his grace, has given each one of us the same amount of time, 24 hours in a day. 24 hours, that's it. Who we've become, our quality of life, our joy, our peace, our contentment, the, the difference that we make. The impact that we make on this world is directly related to the, how we wisely use the time that we've been given. We need to be good stewards of the time that we have been given. Now, I'm not saying that we should just be rushing out and doing more things, getting more done, hurrying through life. That's part of the problem, see? That is, that, that, that's really part of the problem. So many people are stressed out. They're overwhelmed. They're spread way too thin. And when that happens, we begin to lose ourselves in the mix. 
You begin to lose your true self in the mix and you don't even realize it. It's just going by and you turn around you're saying, how did I become this person? And part of the reason we do that and part of the reason we lose ourselves is because we are so caught up and life is so busy. We're go, 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 go. And I, I made up a little test here to see if you fall into that category. All right. So we'll go through the test and see how many of you answer yes to. If the traffic light turns green and the person in front of you doesn't move in two seconds, do you beep the horn? Mm. I do. Um, number two. <laughs> well, I'm doing them a favor. And I mean, they're probably not paying it. So I'm just like, beep, beep. You know, I don't lean on the horn. I just toot friendly to move them along. Cause... Do you... <laughs> Do you, I, I was taught when I was in driving class, they said, a friendly tune of the horn. So mine is, mine is not like terror. It's a friendly toot of the horn. Whenever I honk at you, it's a friendly toot of the horn. <laughs> two, do you like to do two or more things at the same time? Two or three or four or five things at the same time. Okay, next. Does your husband or wife ever ask, are you listening to me? Is your favorite invention email and voicemail because you realize it allows you to send messages 24 hours a day? So you, can, you don't have to stop. It could be 11, 12, it could be 1 o'clock in the morning. You could be doing some work, you know, firing out emails. They may be sleeping, but you got that off your checklist, you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, you know, I got, I got it done. Can you watch a sporting event on TV without DVR? Or can you watch anything on TV now that you have DVR? With anyone fast forward those commercials, can't watch the commercials. You don't want to watch the boring parts of the game. You just don't, don't, you don't want to find the score out, but you just get DVR and you kind of let it go and you can fast forward past all the things. When you're on a long trip, do you always go eight miles over the speed limit because you say, say things like, we have to make good time. We have to make good time. And when you're driving in your car and, and, and your son has to go to the bathroom, do you hand him a, a Coke bottle or do you stop and go to the rest station? <laughs> That's what happened to me when I was growing up, man. It was like, I got to go. My father would just say, good, good, good. There you go. <laughs> just move right along. You know what I'm saying? So is that, you know, do you, do you, can you stop or is it like you have to make the time now? You got to go. You got to go. If your spouse or girlfriend says, let's take a stroll. Do you ask him how long is it going to take? Well, how long is that stroll going to take? When some, when some and they, that, that's bad, just you know. Uh, when, when, someone, when someone is driving the speed limit, let me, let me clarify that. When someone is driving the speed limit in the fast lane, when you pass them, do you stare at them? Like, what is wrong with you? And then you kind of make, you kind of look, you stare them down, you make some, you know, you're like, oh, much, oh, and then all of a sudden I drive by and you get a little, you got a little fish sticker on the back of your car. You know what I'm saying? Praise the Lord, brother, as you go by. I, I tell you what, you got to be careful with those fish stickers in the back of your car. You got to, you better drive right or, you know, not put the fish sticker on the back of your car. If you answered yes to most of those questions, you may be overcommitted. You may be a little, you know, stressed out. You may be spread a little too thin. And that may be one of the reasons that you've lost your true self. 
that you kind of sit back and go, man, this is, I don't think this is what God has created me to be. I don't think this is what God has created me to do. And I don't know how I got here. Maybe one of the reasons you're feeling that way is because you're so overwhelmed. If you look at the life of Jesus Christ, he does the opposite. He doesn't follow that pattern. He's not always rushing around and doing all these things. You know, he doesn't follow after the pattern of this world. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus was, uh, you know, he kept busy. He kept busy. But in that keeping busy, he never, he, he, he took the time to pray. He always took time to pray. And he never lost himself or his purpose. He never lost sight of who he was. He knew who he was. He didn't get so caught up that he got off track. He, he never lost himself and he never lost his purpose. He was the most influential person to ever live on this earth. And he accomplished his ministry in three years. And you would think if that were, that were you or, if, you know, thinking about, you know, if you had to accomplish everything that you had to accomplish in three years on this earth, you would think you cut out most of the things that were not important. You take the unimportant things and you push them aside. Things like playing with children. Well, no, he actually he did. He played with children. Well, then things like, like just taking the time to appreciate nature. Well, no, he took the time to appreciate nature too. Matter of fact, he fell us. He took a nap on a boat ride. Um, he rested by a well at noon. He went to wedding receptions. And so you think if you had three years to accomplish all that you need to accomplish, the salvation of mankind and all the things that Jesus accomplished in three years, that he would have cut out all the unimportant things. Well, he did cut out all the unimportant things. And he played with children and he took time to nap on a boat and he took time to rest at a well to talk to someone. And he took time to do all to pray. He he always had time to pray, to rest, to reflect. He did cut out all the unimportant things in life. And he kept all the important things. And I always think if he if they mention Jesus playing or or spending time with children once or twice. okay, or then how many times did he spend time with children? Probably multiple times. Many times Jesus probably spent a lot of hours with children. Cut out all the unimportant things and the things that we find that he did are playing with children, take time to reflect. He took time to pray. I mean, Jesus Christ is the person that we should be following, the most influential person on this planet. The Bible tells us that we find ourselves not in the things that we do, but in making sure we keep focused, that we keep the person that we were created to be, that we don't lose the person that God created us to be. It's not in all the things that we do. It is continuing to become the person that God has created us to be. And, and, and we do that by following the pattern of Jesus Christ. We need to follow his pattern. What was important to him? What did he cut out? What did he leave in? And that's what we need to do. We need to follow that. In Psalm 46, 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary, that's all of you, and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. With the remainder of our time, 
I want to share with you three guidelines that we find in the Bible that will help us manage our lives and recapture our true selves. Three guidelines that will help us manage our lives and recapture our true selves. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, and others will know exactly what I'm talking about by the time, hopefully, we're finished. Number one, we need to have single-minded purpose. We need to have single-minded purpose. Glenville Cleaser wrote this, Men who have attained things worth having in this world have worked while others idled, have persevered when others gave up in despair, have practiced early in life the valuable habits of self-denial, industry, and singleness of purpose. Singleness of purpose. As a result, they enjoy in later life the success that so often erroneously is attributed to good luck. Singleness of purpose. In order to recapture the person that you were designed to be, you need to understand your purpose. You need to understand what is my purpose in this life. Paul stated it well in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. So our purpose is to grow up in him. Our purpose is to become mature in Christ, to become more like Jesus Christ. You say, what is my purpose in life? Your purpose in life is to become mature in Jesus Christ. And if you've been listening at all over the last uh, year or so, that means that whatever you do, if it's not sinful, it's sacred. So whatever you do, it should be given over to Christ to help you become more mature in Christ. So it's not just doing church stuff. It's doing everything to the glory of God. Everything you do to the glory of God. Becoming mature in Christ. Growing up. My, hopefully my son will think, I want to grow up and be like my dad. If I live my life according to the way Jesus would have me live my life, hopefully my son will say, I want to be like my dad. We need to be saying, I want to be like my dad, the Father in heaven. I want to be like Jesus Christ. I want to be like my God. Being mature in Christ is the purpose, our purpose in life. So you say, well, how do I, how do, I do that? Well, first you need to receive his salvation. You need to receive yourself. You need to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to be useful in his service. We need, you know what? If you're not serving him, you're saying, well, I'm too busy. Well, then you're, you're too busy doing things you shouldn't be doing. You need to be, you need to, you have to have receive his salvation, be useful in his service and be like him in his character. We need to be like him in his character. That's, that is what it means. So that's what we need to uh, aspire to. Most people in our culture believe that their goal should be or their purpose in life is to be happy and to be successful. Happy and successful. Now, don't get me wrong. Those things are not bad. They're not bad. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we recognize that our goal in life, our, our pursuit of life, our purpose in life is not life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There's nothing. Those things are wonderful. Those things are wonderful. There's nothing wrong with those things. And you can have life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness in your desire to be mature in Christ. But that is not the ultimate purpose in the life of a Christian is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
Even those are those are great things. We need to be mature in Jesus Christ. That should be our goal, because only in the pursuit of spiritual maturity do you make sure that you don't lose your true self. Any other path you take could lead you in the wrong direction. Any other path you take could be a pursuit that leads you off in the wrong on the wrong path. Even something good, if it is not in line with my my ultimate purpose, being mature in Christ, becoming more like Jesus. If that's not your ultimate purpose in life and these other things flow in line with that. If if you say my my goal in life is life, liberty and pursuit of happiness. Then ultimately, at the end of your life, you're going to you could be off track. You could take a step back and go, what? I didn't think I lived such a bad life. How did I lose who I truly am? I don't feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose. Why? Why I was created. I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm missing something. There's something missing. And I'll tell you, you know, when you think about happiness, here's what here's the mistake that people make. What your heart truly longs for is joy, peace and contentment. That's what you're really longing for. You use the word happy and you kind of, we kind of misuse it. The Bible uses the word happy, but it, it has more to do with a biblical reference of happy, not the way we, we, we define happy in our lives. Because the way we define happiness is it, it has to do with circumstances. So I'm standing up before you right now and I'm happy because I'm your pastor and I'm preaching to you. And I'm gonna, after this is over, I'm going to go and spend some time with my mom and, and my family. And she's in from out of town. So it'll be a lot of fun. I'm, so I'm happy. I'm happy to preach to you. I love you guys. So I'm happy. I pull out of here and some knucklehead bangs into my car and wrecks my car. And guess what? I'm not happy anymore because my circumstances have changed. Now I can't spend the day doing this. Now I got to fix the car and I have to worry about that. So I'm not happy anymore. But you know what? I could pull out of here and get hit by a car and still have joy, peace and contentment in my life because joy, peace and contentment are not based upon my circumstances. They're internal. They come from spiritual maturity. No matter what you do to me, you can't rob me of joy, peace and contentment because they're not based on what you say or what you do to me. They come from an eternal place through the Holy Spirit that allows me to be spiritually mature, and regardless of how difficult life is, I can still find peace in the midst of the storm. We get mixed up sometimes, and so we need to make sure that we're focused on the right, the right thing. The right thing. Now, I know I may be stating something that's completely obvious, which I am, and that is that maturity cannot be hurried. It's something that takes time. I know a lot of you enjoy working out in your garden, maybe your vegetable garden. And if you do enjoy working in your vegetable garden, then you know what a, um, what a, a, a ripe, mature tomato tastes like, right? You know, if you, if, you, if you ever gardened, you understand what a ripe, pure tomato tastes like. Now, I don't like to eat tomatoes out of season. Because they're not mature. They're nasty. Okay? You know, it's like, what on earth is that thing? It's not a tomato. Because what they do is they pick those tomatoes when they're not ready. They're still green. They pick the tomato and they ship them. And they ship them green so they don't get bruised and beat up along the way. And then right before they sell them to the unsuspecting person like me and you, they spray them with carbon dioxide, which turns them red. And then they give them to you and they're nasty. They are not. They, 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 it, is, it, is, it is cheapening the reality of what a tomato truly is. 
you, when now, now it's starting to be where you can start planting tomatoes and things like that, and they come, they, come, they come off that vine. You pick it when it's just about to fall off that vine. It's ripe and it's mature. That, my friends, is a tomato. Eat it right off the vine. Get a little salt. It, oh, it's awesome. You pick it when it's green in Guatemala and ship it over here. It's hard as a rock and you spray paint it red. It's an insult to a real tomato. Tomatoes, just like people, take time to mature. They can't be pulled too soon. Sometimes we look on the outside like we're mature, but we're green on the inside. We're spiritually green. Maturity takes time. It takes investment. It takes diligence. It takes self-discipline. We need to make sure that we're becoming mature in Christ. And we become mature in Christ by becoming like him internally first. The famous author, Bruce Wilkerson, who I absolutely love, he said this. God doesn't want you to be more for him. I mean, he doesn't want you to do more for him. He wants you to be more for him. God doesn't want you to do more for him. He wants you to be more for him. If you want some really nice reading, it's kind of light reading. It's called The Dream Giver. Bruce Wilkerson, The Dream Giver. Excellent book, whether you're in junior high, high school, or up, whatever, even a little bit younger. It's, it's something that you could probably read if you had a day. Just sit down and read the whole thing in a day. Very light reading, but really, it's, it's meaningful. It really it had an impact on my life. So if you want to read a good book this summer, The Dream Giver by Bruce Wilkerson. Number two, number two, we need to have focused priorities. We need to have focused priorities. We want to become mature in Christ. We need to have focused priorities. Once you know your purpose, your priorities should emerge. You know your purpose. You know clearly what, you're, 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 what God's calling you to do, which is to become more like Jesus Christ. Then, 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 your, then, then your priorities should emerge. Do you ever get to the end of a week? And you feel like you, you've gone through the very, all this stuff and you feel like death warmed over. And some of you are like, yeah, buddy. You feel like death warmed over. But then you think about it and you think, you know, I really didn't accomplish anything meaningful this whole entire week. That's because you spent your time, you wasted your time on a lot of meaningless activities. You wasted your time doing a lot of things that are completely meaningless you, you spent a lot of energy, you, you did a lot of stuff, you, 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 you were do-do-do, but you didn't really accomplish anything. You don't feel like you did. I was driving, to, I was driving to, to church last Sunday, and as I'm going out of my driveway, I'm watching this, this cardinal jump in and out of the road. He was like jumping in and out of the road, bang, fly up in the tree, and land back down. He'd go on the side of the road, and he'd jump back in the road, and I'm like, what is he doing? And as I got closer, I realized what he was doing, and I was absolutely amazed this cardinal was, was jumping into the road attacking another cardinal. And you think, who cares? Well, the other cardinal was dead. It was a dead bird. So this cardinal was spending all of his time and all of his energy and all of his purpose in life attacking a dead bird. He had all the passion in the world. I'm telling you, he'd swoop down, he'd pick them, and he'd grab them, and he'd fly back up, and he would, then he'd come on the grass, and he'd go back in the road, and he, man, it, he was, boy, he was busy. He was busy. He was kicking the daylights out of that other dead bird. But he was waste. He it was meaningless activity. He was completely wasting 
His priorities were completely messed up. He should have been getting worms for his babies. He should have been, you know, soaring, just soaring through the air, catching the breeze. I mean, doing things that maybe Jesus would have done, you know, taking the time to sit back and chirp, whatever. Instead, he's wasting all his, his priorities are completely messed up while he's attacking a dead bird. And my question to myself and to you this morning is, how much time do you waste battling dead birds? Think about it. How much time do you waste every single week battling dead birds once you know your purpose you need to make sure that you have clear priorities you have clear priorities focused priorities having focused priorities just means knowing which things are more important than other things that's what it means focused priorities says attacking a dead bird is not as important as gathering worms Attacking a dead bird is not as important as relaxing and soaring in the wind. Attacking dead birds is not as important as chirping and having a good time. It, whatever, you, you, you have to make, you, all that it says is, the focus priority says, these activities are more important than these activities, and I have to get most of these out of my life so I can focus on what God says is more important. And this is what God says is more, is more important. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, it says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then God will give you all these other things. You know, there's other less important things or important things. But seek first in what you do, in everything you do. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all the other things that we usually think are so important. Eat clothes, food. God will give you all those things as well. But we need to focus on the most important. David Livingston wrote this, Lord, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. Sever any ties. Let me read that again. Sever any ties. This is important for us to realize. Sever any ties, but the tie that binds me to your service and to your heart. In other words, keep me from, cut the rope and cut the strings and cut the, Cut the, the chain and ball and chain. Cut all these other things, Lord, that, that, that would bind me to all the other things in this world. Just keep me tied to you, to your service and to your heart. When our priorities are focused and clear, we end up, we, we, when they're not focused and clear, we end up trying to do more things than we should, and we end up not doing any of them very well. We get so focused on doing so many things and we don't do any of them very well. And that causes you, that causes me, that causes us to be all stressed out. I, and I think it's hard to set priorities for, for, for us for one, uh, one, this one reason. Because we have a hard time saying no to all the good things that we're offered, especially in this country. We're offered so many good things. And so we, we have a hard time setting priorities because we have a hard time saying no to the good things. But if you don't say no to all the good things you're offered, you can't say yes to the best things. We need to learn to say no to all the good things. There's a lot of good things so that we can have the time to say yes to the best things. God could be holding out something he wants you to do right there, but you're so busy you can't see it because you're doing so many other things. You don't have time to do all things, but my friends, you do have time to do the most important things. Remember how Jesus spent his life. I want you to think about this, and some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Others have similar things that they would do, but you'll, you'll get the drift. We need to make sure that we have enough margin in our lives 
the same way Jesus built in margin to his lives to do what he wanted to do, that's the important things to him. We need to have enough margin in our lives so that we can explore down like roads that we've never been before. We need to have enough margin so we can explore back roads. How many of you guys like to just go exploring? And when was the last time you really got to go exploring? I remember driving out. We, were, we used to go to Indiana. We drove to Indiana. This was a couple of years ago. We drove to Indiana just to see what was in Indiana. It was not too far because it's so close to our border. We went to these back roads, never been down that back road before. And there was a guy with a big, huge uh, pond in his farm. And he had all these beautiful pink lily pads in there. And I'm like, whoa, I got a little pond I just dug out. I wonder if he'd give me some of those. And I just stopped in, knocked on his door. He's very friendly. I said, man, you, your, your pond is packed with lily pads. Do you mind if I take a few? And he's like, hey, if you want to do- dodge the water moccasins and snapping turtles, you have at it. And I was like, man, I've been dodging water moccasins and snapping turtles all my life. I got my, rolled up my pants, went in there, grabbed those lily pads, and now they're blooming in my backyard right now, and they're gorgeous because I took the time to go down a back road and just enjoy it. You know, how many of you plant gardens? You plant these beautiful vegetable gardens. You plant these beautiful flower gardens. You work the garden and work the garden and work the garden, but then you never appreciate the garden. The, pl- the flower grows and blooms for a couple of days. You're so busy, you don't get time to stop and see it. You kind of, as you're walking down your walk, you kind of see it on the side a little bit, but you don't stop to actually look at the garden that you planted that's so gorgeous and really appreciate it. Take a nap in a hammock. Go to a, go to a car show or go to a ball game with your family. And then you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't have time to go to a ball game. I don't have time to do all these things. Let me ask you a question. Would you have time, and I'm not, this is, I'm not criticizing any of these things, I'm asking a question of how much in order to say good and better and, or best. How much, could you cut out a little bit of your TV watching time? Yeah, you could. Can you, um, can you stop going to some of the, most of the parties and uh, clubs that you go to? Can you stop wasting so much time overusing um, the time that you spend on social media or just how much wasted time we do with uh, surfing the Internet. I mean, just for, for just just for the fact that we want to surf the Internet. Or maybe it's you're just focusing your attention um, on, on past mistakes. You're wasting your time focusing your energy and your t- on past mistakes. If you start cutting out some of these things, I'm not saying the Internet is wrong. I'm not saying social media is wrong. I don't think it's wrong. I don't think any of the things I mentioned were wrong except wasting your time worrying about past mistakes. They're not wrong, but I'm asking you, could you cut back on those things and prioritize, focus priorities? I'll do that a little bit so I can do this, the most important things. How did Jesus live his life? That's how I want to live mine. I don't think he'd be sitting there. I like Facebook, but I don't think you spend four hours on Facebook. I don't, especially if you don't have time to do other things. I don't have time to read or pray. I don't have time to, to reflect. I don't have time to do any of those things that would draw me closer to Christ. And if, that's, if, you're, if you don't have time to read or pray or serve the Lord, then you are battling dead birds all the time then most of what you're doing is battling dead birds. Or maybe battle the dead birds for a couple of minutes because it's fun or something. Maybe the cardinal loves to beat up on that. Didn't, he, never liked that he never liked that cardinal anyway. And when he got hit by a car, he was like, baby, I'm just going to beat up on it while it's dead. I don't know, but it's a kind of a waste of time. But if he wants to do it for a couple of minutes, fine, but not the entire day. So we have to focus, have focused attention, focused attention 
Remember how Jesus spent his time. So much of what we do is wasting our time fighting dead birds. In John chapter, 50, in John chapter 15, verse 2, Jesus made an interesting statement about priorities. He says this, Every branch that does bear fruit, everyone that does bear, bear fruit, he, God, prunes so that it will, it will be even more fruitful. See, if we don't want to forget who we are, if we don't want to waste our lives, we need to understand the concept of pruning. There's a little principle that, I, that I've learned to live by. Sometimes you need to cut back. Sometimes you need to, to kind of cut back in order to get more. You cut back and you get more. What do you mean by that? Well, so I have grapes in my backyard. Not a lot. Maybe four plants all lined up and I, that string to hang up. I have about uh, 10 or 15 apple trees, three or four um, pear trees, uh, and I have some berries and things like that. Sometimes, all the time, if you want to get better and more grapes, you have to prune the vine. If you want to get better and more apples, you need to prune the tree. If you want to get prettier roses, you need to prune the bush. The roses in front of the Grace Impact Center on this side where the offices are, are gorgeous. You know why? Because someone goes out there and trims those meticulously, and they're bursting with color. The ones in front of the church right here are colorful, but you know why they're not bursting with color? Because they haven't been pruned. That's why we have a work day next Saturday from 8 to... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, because they haven't been pruned. So they're kind of pretty, but you can see a couple flowers on them. The other ones are like insanely beautiful because they've been pruned. Sometimes you have to cut back in order to get more, to get the true identity of what it is. The same principle applies to people. The same principle, pruning, listen, pruning activities and even commitments will help you when it comes to being more productive and more creative. And you say, ah, more productive by cutting back? Yes, ma'am, yes, sir. You cut back and you have a chance to think more creatively. It, 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 helps you, it helps you be more productive and more creative if you're cutting back. Again, because you're not wasting your time fighting dead birds and you're doing what's really important. You're doing, so the question is this morning for you, as we, for, just stop for a second. What do you need to prune? What do you need to prune? What do you need to say no to? Turn to the person to your right and say no, loud. <laughs> Turn to the person to your left without tearing their ear out, their, their eardrum out and say no. Perfect. <laughs> he got asked out and he's like, yes. <laughs> yes, we have to learn to say no. We have to learn to say no. We have to cut back so that we can, we can be more creative and more productive. Last, we need to formulate and work a clear plan. Listen, running on a hamster wheel is not a plan. You look like you're getting somewhere, but it's the same thing as fighting a dead bird. That's not a plan. Being really, really busy is not a plan. It is not a plan. A, a, a really intelligent person one time told me, a good plan today is better than a great plan tomorrow. Because you never plan the great plan. You never lay that out. So do it today. A good plan today is better than a great plan tomorrow. And my friends, it pays to plan ahead. Remember, it wasn't raining when Noah started to build the ark. That's what we do sometimes. Oh, it's starting to rain. I thought, I know I was supposed to do something. 
Was it raining when Noah began to build the ark we need to plan? To get back to the person that we were created to be, we need to rethink our destination. We need to rethink our direction. We need to get off the road that we are traveling. And we need to reset our minds. We need to reset our thinking. Reset our minds. Renew our minds. Start over, if you will. This morning, this morning, today is my, actually this weekend is my spiritual birthday, May 1980, Memorial Day 1980. Maybe today could be a day where you can reset your mind, rethink your direction, get off the road that you've been traveling and get on the right road for Jesus Christ. But we need to be able to do that. We need to be able to, to think that way to focus and think that way. Paul gave us some similar advice in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. It goes like this. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. You can't make the most of every opportunity that God places in front of you if you're running around battling dead birds, running on a hamster wheel. God gives you a great opportunity but if you live unwise and not wise, then you will not you'll be able to, to receive that opportunity because you'll be busy with so many other things that you came up with yourself. I remember about 18 years ago, I was overwhelmed. I came back from, from lunch and I had 17 messages and everybody was, all these voices were talking to me and it seemed like every voice that was calling out to me was important. Every one of them seemed to be the most important thing in the world. I said to a friend of mine, I don't know how you do it. You run this Fortune 500 company. How do you keep your priorities straight? Because I'm being, I feel like I'm being buried day to day. My days, my weeks are burying me. He said, you need to rethink your life. You need to rethink your day. Then he said, not only rethink your day, you need to rethink the hours in your day and focus on a plan. You plan them out. And instead of your day dominating your life, you begin to dominate your day. Instead of your day planning yourself, you out, you begin to plan out your day. It made a huge difference in my life. Took away the stress. We need to have a clear plan. Set a clear plan. Every, every 24-hour period is, is precious. It is irreplaceable. You will never get it back. If you give me $1,000 today, if you gave me $1,000, you can get that $1,000 back. You make another deal. You do something over here. You get your bank account set up. At the end of the year, you get another $1,000. Whatever the case, someone gives you $1,000. But you know what? You're never going to get back that 24-hour day that you wasted fighting dead birds. You're never going to get it back. You need to have a clear, focused plan. Psalm 118.24 says, This is the day the Lord has made and given to us. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God has given us each and every day a distinct 24-hour gift from God, and we are stewards of those days and those hours that he has given to us. He's going to hold us accountable for what we do with the days and the hours that he's given to us. So if we know our purpose... We can focus our priorities. And if we express those priorities through a daily plan, we will become less likely to follow a path or a voice that leads us away from Jesus and the person that he's created us to be. It is so easy. Some of you are listening to the wrong voice. You're listening to the wrong voice. You say, well, yeah, but you know, it's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. It doesn't take much to get you off course. That's the problem. Satan doesn't have to come along and say, 
you know, turn into this crazed, you know, lunatic sinner, blah, 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 to the core to get you off course. No, he doesn't. He just has to move you. It just takes the tiniest bit. It takes just a little bit to get us off course. It doesn't take much. But if we live in harmony with God's word, then we can be sure, we can feel confident of our direction and the outcome of our lives. I was, I was uh, in Virginia uh, about a month and a half ago, just visiting my brother and my father very quickly. I went down there. We came back after a couple of days. And my brother's really good with guns. He he's, lives in Virginia, in, the, in, the, uh, in, in Roanoke, Virginia, in that area, Boone's Mill. And he loves to go hunting. And he was showing me how to shoot a pistol. And I shot a rifle, and it was, you know, you aim right at the can, you, and the barrel's really long, and you shoot, and you get it, the sights right up, and bam, and you hit the can. But then you take a pistol, and you do the exact same thing, and you got it all lined up, and you shoot. And I, 20 shots, I never hit the can. The can wasn't a mile away. And I said, why can't I hit the, I don't understand, I'm, I'm, I'm doing exactly what you're saying to do, and I can't hit the can. And he said, you know what, Jeff, it doesn't take much for you when you're shooting a pistol to be off course because all you have to do is aim just a tiny bit and the barrel is short and that bullet comes out and by the time it reaches the target, you've missed it. And I think I'm right on target, but I'm not. All it takes is just a slight change of course. You You want to sail around the world, you think you're sailing this way, all you need to do is be a tiny bit off course in a ship and you're on the other side of the world by the time you get to your destination. So don't think because you're living a half-decent life and everything's going pretty fine that if you, not, if you don't make the priority, your maturity becoming more like Jesus Christ, that is your purpose in life. And you don't set the right priorities once you know your purpose. And you don't take your, your priorities and turn it into a plan, a consistent plan. Don't you think that when you get to the end of your life, you're not going to be standing there and going, why did I, how did, I don't understand. How did I, I went to church. How did I get here? How had I not fulfilled the purpose that God has for my life? Because all it took was just a tiny little bit of saying, well, I understand what he was saying, Pastor Jeff was saying, but my purpose in life is not exactly maturity in Christ. It's not, it's not bad, it's just, well, I don't care what it is. Whatever it is, if it's not that, you're going to find yourself way off course. Okay, I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation. I'm just saying you're going to get to heaven and God's going to say, man, why, golly, I told, this is what I had for you. Not bad. You didn't, you didn't, you know, it wasn't terrible, but this is not what I had for you. And you're going to recognize that in your own life. In Philippians 1, 6, Paul puts it this way, that if you're confident and you, you're reading God's word, you can, have, you can find, make sure that you have confidence in the direction he has for you if you're focused on him. And Paul says this, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began, I got saved Memorial Day 1980. He began a good work in me. He will carry it on to completion as long as he, he will carry it on to completion. My focus and my purpose is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And whatever I do, it doesn't matter what you do out here, as long as you do it to the glory of God and your focus to become mature in Jesus Christ, he will make sure you reach that goal. He who began a good work and you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The key is not to lose, the key to not to lose, losing your true self, to becoming more like Jesus Christ, is to know what your purpose is, to make sure you have focused priorities, and then to take those priorities and build a plan day to day. I want you to bow your heads with me as we close. I want you to bow your heads with me.
Some of you need to take the first step in recapturing your true self. Today, you know, this was my spiritual birthday. Maybe it could be your spiritual birthday as well. You need to take the first step in recapturing your true self. In John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember that. doesn't matter if you're doing a lot of good things out there. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. And nothing means nothing meaningful, nothing that matters to Christ, nothing that matters to God. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus Christ, you don't truly live. You only exist. And you are eternally lost. And you lose your true self on this earth. But through God, he gave us Christ. And through Christ, God made a way for us to find him. Through Jesus' death on a cross, you can have life. Listen to me. Through Jesus' death on a cross, you can have life. Through his sacrifice, the sacrifice that he made for you, you can become a child of God. Right now, you're a creation of God. He created you and he loves you, but you're not a child of God. Being a child of God means he adopts you into his family. God in his great love calls us to join his family. But we need to let go of our old lives And find a new life and a new beginning in him. And those of you who know you've lost your way and you've come here and you're saying, now I get it. Now I understand it. Now I can I can get back to who I've truly been created to be. But my friends, in order to gain all of it, in order to gain everything, you're needing to you're needing to give up some things. You need to give up. In the quietness of your own heart, I want you to let go of the person you've become and embrace the person you were created to be. I want you to, I want you to see that in your mind. Let go. I don't know what, it, what that looks like to you, but let it go. Let it get it out. Let it go. Let go of the person you've become and embrace the person you were created to be. And the way you do that is to pray this simple prayer. I'll, I'll pray it and you pray it right after me in your own heart. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I want you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin, the path that I've taken, and put me on a path that leads to you. If you prayed that simple prayer this morning, for the very first time, for the very first time, I want you to come up after the service and receive a book that will help you on your new spiritual journey. Some of you here, as we close, some of you have already asked Christ to come into your life. But you've, you've, seemed, you've lost your way. You've lost your way. You need to pray and ask him to help you reset your life. Pray a simple prayer like this one. Just pray it after me. Father, I'm lost. I don't recognize the person I see in the mirror anymore. I ask that you would forgive me for the path that I have taken that led me away from you. Set my feet back on solid ground. Restore me to your image so that I can live a life of meaning and purpose. And God, we pray these things and ask them in your son's name, knowing that you love us and you want to draw us to yourself. So we rejoice in those who pray that prayer of salvation, Lord. And we rejoice also in those who have said, I'm no longer going to walk this path. I'm going to be put on solid ground 
and follow after my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Have a great, great week.